But here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. And joining us, as always, is your co-host, Julie. Hello from the Great North U.S. Smoking Section. Oh, God, it's, yeah, yeah, no, I hear it's pretty bad up there right now. I'm sorry. Is it all the wildfires in Canada? Yes, I feel bad for Canada. Unfortunately, some of the fires are so remote that they can't get to them, but uh, it's gotten better in the last few days. Oh, that's good. And uh, also joining us is your co-host, Thorsten. Hello from beautiful Germany. <laughs> and, we, and we don't have any problems currently. Wow. Wow. Let's, let's hope that lasts. Let's hope that sticks for a while. Uh, as, folks, we're missing a few people today. We're, uh, Spaz isn't feeling very well, so he wasn't able to join us. Um, David is on vacation with his family. And Jacob is in the midst of uh, finals because he's in school. Um so it's it's kind of a skeleton crew today, but we do have a guest today joining us from oh god, where you're in Cleveland, yes, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, of Incandescent Workshop to talk about the new version of uh, his long running bridge simulator. Uh, Tom Robertson here to talk about Artemis Cosmos. Welcome, thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you for coming back. It has been a decade, almost a literal decade, since we had you yep. on last. I looked, and the last time we had you on was 2013, which, yep. uh, oh my God, that was that was the very early days of our, I think we were still in double digits of, of our yeah. podcast when we had you on last. <laughs> it blows my mind as well. Yeah, it's been a... It's been a while, and I'm going to admit I don't play these kind of games very often because I'm not much of a multiplayer person, nor do I find myself in a situation where I'm in a room with other people playing these games. So that's one reason we haven't had you back in a while. I apologize. But, no, no, um, that's okay. But uh, you're making a new one. That's why we're here. You're making a new one. I just discovered it on Steam the other day. I'm like, oh, my God, it's a new Artemis. Holy crap. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just out of well, for I'm sure it's not out of nowhere for you, but for me, it felt like it was out of nowhere. Uh, so folks, if you're unaware, well, Tom, it's your baby. How would you describe Artemis? Well, I was inspired, of course, by Star Trek, uh, you know, all the people working together on a bridge doing their separate jobs, you know, operating a single spaceship. Um, and that was my vision from way back in 2010 when I first wrote the software. Um, you know, it's, I, I write a lot of games. I'm a, you know, a, a, a frantic indie developer, but Artemis really hit like no one else did. Everyone got it. Everyone liked it. Everyone wanted to play it. So, uh, I've, you know, it's really the fans that have been pushing me forward for the last decade. And, and the game is, is still very popular. However, after more than a decade, the code rod is terrible. Uh, the, the, the code base was <laughs> was you know ancient you know and you know musty like a mummy and uh i you know it was very clear that if we're going to make it another 10 years i had to do a ground up rewrite so about two years ago that's what i set out to do and that's what artemis cosmos is it's a ground up rebuild of the original game and which engine is this running in again i don't remember well this engine is my pax engine that oh. i wrote on top of I top 
wrote it on top of DirectX 11 in 2018. Oh, wow. So it's a custom engine entirely. Yeah. I, you know, uh, we can go back and forth about existing engines today versus building your own. No, that's I'm fine. Cert- <laughs> I'm certainly not, you know, the regular user of Unity or Unreal. Uh, I, I get them. I get I get the value they bring. But at the same time, I kind of grew up. And, and in fact, Artemis 1, you know, was created in a world that really didn't have uh, it certainly didn't have Unity uh, or uh, or Unreal, at least not a, a publicly available Unreal. And, uh, you know, the engines that were out there just weren't designed for you know what I was doing. So I kind of had to roll my own. Uh, <clears throat> Now that that makes sense, um, because I mean you hear so many games. It's just kind of rare. We talk to a lot of developers, and most of them, uh, most of them seem to be on Unity. A few are on Unreal, but Unity seems to be the majority of the thing that people seem to be using these days. Um, mm-hmm. And and so just to hear that someone made their own engine is kind of a rarity, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> Well, I'm kind of old school. I started in the video game industry in 92. Damn. So I've been around for a while. Well, what are, what are some of uh, let's take a side trip journey here then. What are, what's some of the other stuff you worked on before this thing, before Artemis even? So 92 to 2003 was my 11 years working in the video game industry. I worked on some titles like Harpoon and Harpoon 2. Oh, uh, Har- whoa. <laughs> I worked on Barbie fashion designer. Oh God, that was a huge, I, 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 I worked at a, I worked at a video game store when Barbie fashion designer came out and we couldn't keep it on the shelves. It was a monster hit. It was, yep. it was apparently like the biggest, one of the biggest video game hits of that year. Like it outsold mm-hmm. what you would consider more mainstream games at the time by like yep. several factors. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like, like people would like pay, like we started doing pre-orders for the next shipment. That's how crazy it got. Like we would take money so people couldn't be reserved. So we can reserve a copy for the next shipment that came in because they were just yeah, flying it, off the shelves that fast. It was a very popular product. Wow. Uh, I've, I've got a, th- I've got another two or three hours of stories about that product, but that's <laughs> not I'm sure what you guys want to hear here at Space Game Junkies. Well, wait, well, hang on a second. I mean, we do want to talk about Artemis, but I am, I am kind of fast. I've always been kind of fascinated by that product because mm-hmm. for years, people thought video games were the sole purview of men and boys. And then, mm-hmm. and then that thing comes out and just flies off the shelves. Were you all surprised? That was, that's, that's the one thing I've wondered where the people who worked on that game surprised by its success. I... I was never surprised that the concept would be a success. Uh, the execution, uh, the, the workplace I was in was probably the worst job I've ever had. Oh no. But it, but it had absolutely nothing to do with Barbie and everything to do with digital domain, the, the production house that I was hired by to do Barbie. I was one of four programmers and, you know, I was in a team with a bunch of artists and designers and managers and things. So it was, in some ways, it was very typical development thing. But it was also Digital Domain was not a video game development house. It was a movie special effects house. 
it did the special effects for Apollo 13 and Fifth Element and Titanic. All during the time I was there. And it just happened to have, they tried to spin off a video game uh, department. And I was hired to come program Barbie Fashion Designer for, at that time, an extremely large amount of money, I thought. Uh, it, it was kind of a life lesson in how no paycheck is large enough to, uh, to tolerate <laughs> a really, really toxic work environment. Oh, no. Because so, were- I mean, the, the Barbie fashion designer thing itself, the idea of kind of a virtual Barbie experience, putting the clothes on Barbie and designing the clothes on Barbie and that kind of stuff. I, you know, I, I thought it was solid from the, I, from the beginning, uh, wasn't my idea. I was just a coder, but, um, you know, I thought that the devil was being the details and I was working with a bunch of people who had never really made a game before. <laughs> and again, it was a very toxic work environment. Uh, but they managed to get it out the door. And uh, another life lesson that I learned from that and many other places was simply that the there is absolutely no relationship between the suffering of a production process and the quality of the finished game. Huh. Well, that's that's kind of amazing. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay, so you worked on that, and then uh, probably a few other games before coming to Artemis. Um, well, I, I stopped working in the video game industry in 2003, started doing indie full-time. Um, so, you know, I was working on a lot of things, you know, here, there, and everywhere. I worked on a, a cheesy little Pokemon ripoff for the PC called Battle Pets. Uh, worked on some space shooters. Um 2003 i cooked up a really kind of it was almost a proof of concept mmo high fantasy thing and uh basically there were a lot of kids who couldn't get a credit card to go play on uh ultima online um or other games of that era so they came to me so i enjoyed you know a few thousand player base on my cheap little mmo huh. uh, uh, it was called blade mistress online i think it, did i mention that no um but uh you know I, that was i did that for a couple of years and then handed it off to business associates um and then went back to indie stuff and you know it was just another one of those things like any artist musician you know dancer whatever you you work hard and you come out with a lot of stuff that nobody pays attention to until one day somebody pays attention to something and that was artemis yeah absolutely yeah, because, I mean, there have been a couple of bridge-style games before this, like, you know, Bridge Commander and Klingon Academy and a few others, but none of them were really multiplayer. Um, yeah. So I don't remember. Was Artemis the first one that did this? I don't remember whether it was or not. I'm not trying to compete or anything. I just don't remember if there was another one before Artemis. Well, I was not directly inspired by any piece of software. Again, I was inspired by Star Trek. Right. Uh, and, you know, my thought at the time was, sure, I've got the network code, and it'd probably be cool if I built a single-player space game, and then I kind of broke out the user interface into multiple stations. Um, so that was, you know, that was where I was, my mind was taking me in the summer of 2010. But um, the 
the, the actual experience of you sit down at different stations to different laptops to play different stations on the same bridge seemed to catch fire with a, with a lot of people. And, and did your experience with, um, with that other MMO, what's, what's the name of the MMO you ran? Blade Mistress Online. Thank you. Blade Mistress Online. Is that still going by the way? No, no. I think there was a little fan base that tried to resurrect it, but I'd been gone from the project for years by that time. Uh, so I didn't feel like, you know, it was anything that had to do with me. That's, that's fair. No, it's, it's I, I just asked because a lot of these old MMOs get revived by fans. Typically like jump, oh, yeah. Gate, jump gate is still around because of fans Empire, uh, earth, earth and beyond uh, star Wars galaxies all being and run I'm, by I've, fans. I have nothing bad to say about that. I think that's, that's, that's awesome. Oh yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when, when they do stuff like that, um, but I was I was curious. Did did, did your experience with the MMO help with uh, getting the network stuff together for a game like Artemis? Because like you have to, I mean, I mean the network code has to be really solid for a game like this, right? Well, I'm I'm not sure that anything has to be solid. It's a question of what people will tolerate, and I wouldn't uh-huh. say that the network code of the original Artemis game was great, but it did its job. Obviously, it did its job because people are still playing it, including online today. But, you know, it was one of the many, many pieces of technology that I knew had to be upgraded for Cosmos. Um, So, you know, it's a, you know, Cosmos is completely new top to bottom, including the network layer. Right. Because it always fascinates me when when you play games like this or you know, other, other bridge multiplayer bridge games, how like you have multiple people in the, in the same instance on the same asset, basically uh, mm-hmm. doing different things. It just, it just fascinates me. How, I mean, is that difficult to pull off having multiple people on the same ship doing different things? Cause I, I've, that's always fascinated me when I've played other games like, you know, this or Pulsar or, you know, Quintet or whatever, where it's like, how does, how does it all come together where it all works from my end so seamlessly that, you know, I fire phasers and they fire phasers and blah, blah, blah. Like, how does that all you know, come together? Yeah. First off, there's a lot of work, a lot of trial and error, a lot of, hey, that doesn't work. Let's fix the bug. So before you play it, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of work that goes on to make sure it works at all. Um, but as far as the the network layer, there is a philosophical structural understanding that you have to do with multiplayer games as a whole. You have to be thinking in terms of the messages flying between servers and clients and what do they mean and how do they work together. Um, And that's certainly something you don't normally think about with your single player games, but you know, it's, it's, it's just another, another aspect of the technology. Um, It's, you know, it's not rocket science. It's heart surgery. (laughs) So, so, because I, I don't, I, hmm, I'm just wondering, like, these are probably general questions, but when I see a project like this, when, when I see a project like this, I always wonder what's the most difficult part of making it all work together. Like you have multiple people on multiple stations doing different things. What, what is the hardest part of making it all work together? 
in in a, well, in a situation like this? Well, I think, you know, the, your question suggests that you're coming at it from the kind of the player and the fun point of view. Um, and, uh, you know, fun is a very, it's a, if we knew exactly how to create fun, machines would be creating it. Um, and so I, you know, it's very much a case where I make games and I think they're fun, but it's really up to the player to think whether they're fun or not. It just so happens that the concept of playing like Star Trek is something that everyone agrees is a pretty fun thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so all my, all my software has to do is kind of support that. Um, I, I have found in the 13 years that Artemis has existed that, you know, people want to have fun with it and they understand it and they want to play like, you know, Scotty and Uhura and Chekhov. Um, so they do. And, uh, my software just has to su support that, give them the buttons that they expect and the, and the, 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 the explosions when they expect to hear one. I, I was honestly thinking more of a like a technical or game design aspect. Like, is the hardest part of putting something like this together? Is it the onboarding for newer players? Is it is it the code that makes all the things work for one ship at the same time? Like, I'm just wondering what the biggest challenge is for making a multiplayer bridge sim like this. You know what I mean? Like, what's the biggest hurdle? I I get it. It, I feel very strongly, and of course, this is just me having done it for 13 years, but I don't think there is an individual technical hurdle that's bigger than the rest. I think that, mm. uh, you know, actually, the truth is, is the biggest hurdle is the persistence necessary to to build the product and get it done and get it out there. Uh, and yeah. I, I benefited from the fact that, again, when I first created Artemis in 2010, people just got it people understood what I was doing and they liked the idea and they said, heck yeah, I want to play that. Um, so, um, so it was very easy, not just for me to talk with players about what was good about it and what could be better, but it was very easy for me to, um, to continue working on the game, uh, because players were having a lot of fun with it. Um, I like to say that video games are just another art form. Yeah. And like, like yeah. every artist or, or well nine out of 10 artists uh, rely on external validation. Uh, <laughs> being, uh, so when people say, Oh my gosh, Artemis is a great game. Please make it better. Then I stand up straight and say, yes, sir. <laughs> um, and you know, if, and there's, there's a, there's dozens, perhaps hundreds of unfinished games on my hard drive where I could not get anyone to take a second look at it. So I just dropped it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's, you know, ultimately the player decides the fun. And when the players find a lot of fun, like with Artemis, that inspires me to make more Artemis. Uh, so the difficulty is always the, the long-term commitment to the project and the fans loving the game and telling me what they like about the game and what they want to see next in the game is the prime motivator that keeps me working on it. What was the what was the biggest thing people were asking for in a sequel? Oh, 3D, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Art Artemis 1 and 2 kind of, you know, well, Star Trek itself is really just a retelling of naval combat. Yep. yep. Um and so even if it was technically in space, um uh 
you know, Star Trek, the old show with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy was very naval and had very many plots that were essentially just stolen from World War II. <laughs> uh, and true. because of that, you know, space, you know, everyone jokes that uh, when when two spaceships appear and, and pull up next to each other, they're they're aligned correctly with each other. They all they all they all face in the same direction with the same top. Um, which is, you know, in three full 3D, you know, up is quite relative. Uh, so, uh, you know, so Star Trek has never been fully 3D, and it's easier to think in 2D. It's easier to think in terms of naval surface ships, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, so I have always recognized this duality that people go, hey, it's a space game. Why can't I go anywhere like, the, like I should be able to go anywhere? Uh, but at the same time, especially new players appreciate a game that's not burdening them with having to think in 3D. Um, so there's been a I've I've had to wrestle with that um, for all of Artemis's thing. But Artemis one and two kind of kind of made that or or fit that bill of being kind of naval warfare-y kind of sure there's up and down kind of, but it's mostly on a plane. But you know, players have always been clear that it's a space game. It should be in 3D. And if they want to limit it to 2D, that's their choice. And uh, I, I listened to that loud and clear. I knew that when, when we had to release, when we had to build Cosmos and release it, it would have to be fully supporting 3D. Uh, and so it is. I'm, I've got a question. And this is, when I first saw this game, the it's obvious the similarity struck me between this and Star Trek Bridge Crew. And mm-hmm. as far as, you know, the market for your game and the market for that game, and do you feel the other, that game detracts from your market? Or is this just like an entirely different set of people that would play your game? Or just in general, who do you see as your target market for this game? Well, well the the last thing you said was a was really a different question, um, but I'd like to uh, certainly. I, I'm very happy to talk about Star Trek Bridge Crew. Uh, so let me tell you about Star Trek Bridge Crew real quick. Um, first off, my game came first by many years, um, and I think that at some point the Star Trek Bridge Crew designers um, admitted that they played Artemis and they liked what they saw and they. I wouldn't say they were inspired by it, but they, they knew what they were getting into. Um, when Star Trek Bridge Crew first came out, there were two distinctive things about it. One was that it was VR only. And that uh, really limited its market space, extremely limited its market space. Uh, However, they also had vast amounts of big butts. So they, at the time it came out, spent a lot of money on advertising. And so it was, it was kind of, it was, I wouldn't say it was a big hit. I was saying it, everyone knew about it. There was a lot of advertising dollars spent. Um, my sales of Artemis over the years have been surprisingly stable and surprisingly, you know, normalized. If you look at it on a graph, I'm in the long tail and it's almost guaranteed down to the dollar how much I'll make from month to month because, you know, it's just people all over the world finding Artemis and buying it. And, uh, and it all averages out. But when uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew did their big advertising push, I got a noticeable sales bump. 
And I got it, at, at least it seemed obvious to me that I got it because all of the press about Star Trek Bridge Crew couldn't help but mention my game. <laughs> and so, you know, people would, would, would see an article saying Star Trek Bridge Crew looks great. It's awesome. You guys remember that old game Artemis Spaceship Bridge Simulator too, right? And then people would go find my game and buy it. So uh, I, I distinctly monetarily benefited from the advertising eh. push of Star Trek Bridge Crew when it first came out. So, um, and unfortunately for them, and I, I feel bad for them because yeah. a year or two after they released the game, they finally got around to modifying it so it would work without a VR headset. Yeah. Play it on a main screen. But yeah. they spent no more advertising dollars at that time to tell anyone. Exactly. So no one knew. Exactly. Oh my God. That's one of my biggest crushing disappointments with that game is that they finally made it pancake mode compatible mm -hmm. and no one knew. No Nobody one knew, knew about it. Like I only found out about it because I was following it on Steam, and I I I I I very closely follow the Steam news feed for all the games I follow, and that's the only reason I knew about it. And and and, and no one else did. People were surprised. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> people people forgot about the game by the time. And I, and I, I feel bad for them. Because oh yeah. They, they they produced a lot of DLC. They had a lot of different kinds of Star Trek bridges. You could be on the bridge you were, that was your favorite bridge. And there was a lot of cool functionality in that game. Um, and I, you know, I feel like their, their marketing team kind of, kind of let them down a little bit. Well, you know, I just, it's obvious to me that uh, they, it, well, making it only VR at first, obviously, hurt their market to a great extent. And um, and I'm wondering then at this point, because I have the same kind of situation that Brian does here, where most of the times, except in a static group I belong to, uh, it's I usually I'm only playing single-player games, uh, except, like I said, on weekends, there's this static group I belong to. And so in order to get them to play this game it would be okay first i'd have to make sure they're all interested in space games second i'd have to say okay i'm going to buy a copy for everybody and do you feel that kind of thing limits your 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 market for this game shit sorry sorry um um of course it in some ways limits the market of the game. I certainly have had a number of players, especially at the beginning. You guys can hear me. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, I can yes. hear you fine. Yeah. Um, they, that a lot, a lot, a number of players, especially at the beginning who came out, came to me and said, I bought this game, but I don't know how to play it by myself. What am I supposed to do? You know, what is this business about hooking up two laptops? Um, so I had to work hard to, to make sure that the game explained itself to players and made sure that people understood it was it was multiplayer only and multi-computer only. And yes, of course, that certainly you know limits the market. But again, my vision of Artemis was never about how can I reach the biggest market. It was really about that experience of being on the bridge in Star Trek, you know, you know, talking with people while working on your different jobs. 
um, you know, in a, in a space on a single ship. Um, and you know, that's, that's what resonates with all the players. So of course I'm not going to modify that. Right, 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 right. Uh, so I, I'm going, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, you know, I, in, as I always do, I do a little research on each person. And uh, your your little LinkedIn bio says you've been working on games since you were 13. And I want to know what your first thing you ever worked on is. Sure. Yeah, well, I'm, I kind of count myself lucky, you know, when you, when you're, making computer games that are that early not only in your own life but in the in the lifespan of computer games you definitely have legs up and my father weirdly enough was a programmer before me um he mostly worked for boeing and ti and then some oil and gas companies in houston where i grew up um but when i was 12 i uh uh was in middle school and i had a friend named scott who brought brought to class and showed me this printout of a teletype game that he'd played called Super Star Trek. And <laughs> it, was, it, was kind of, it was a you know, big fan fold, you know, green and white striped paper kind of thing. And, uh, uh, and it had the readout of his play session of his Super Star Trek game. And I said, where do you play this game? And he said, well, because I have such great grades, the teachers let me use the teletype in the in the teacher's office to play this game. Of course, my grades were awful, so nobody was going to let me have access to the teacher's teletype machine. Uh, but I knew my father was doing that kind of high tech stuff, so I went home and I said, "Dad, what about this programming business? What about this computer business?" And so he brought me home the very next day an IBM Basic manual. Oh wow! And I, I consumed it. I, I stayed up all night reading it cover to cover twice. Uh, and then he brought home a uh, Texas Instruments Silent 700 uh, terminal. This is the ancient terminal that had a paper roll instead of a screen. A, a, wait and a minute. A what? It had a, it had a roll of paper that was thermally uh, active. So there was what? a print head. There's a print head that would run across the paper and it would heat up and it would burn little black dots in the paper. And that's how it, how you would get the, the output of the, of the terminal. Um, so not only did it have that, but it had the old acoustic coupling modems where there were basically two big black uh, round cups on the back of the machine. And you had to take the phone off the wall, the, the phone in the kitchen and, and push the phone headset into the back of the machine. And then you would connect at 300 baud <laughs> my father's mainframe computer oh, at work. Wow. So, so those, and you, you asked me what the first game I ever made was. I'm pretty sure that I started at the bottom and did some number guessing games. And at, at some point I tried to make a game where you shooted, shot Star Wars at ats before they came down the, the, the Hoth planet and killed you. And uh, I think I made a game where you landed an airplane on a carrier deck and you had to adjust at different points. So anyways, yeah, none of it was real time, of course, because of the user interface. But, you know, that's, you know, that's as far back as I go. Yeah, I remember back in in my day, uh, you're probably a little older than me, but in my earliest days, 
there would be gaming magazines and they would have a centerfold and the centerfold was a basic program mm-hmm. <laughs> that you would oh, spend yeah. hours typing in to, uh, <laughs> to into your TRS 80 or IBM or whatever to, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to get, mine was a TRS 80, uh, to get working. Uh, oh man, <laughs> I have fond memories of basic. Very, I, I, that's as far as I could get though. Like I tried, I tried, um, I tried uh, other stuff. It's, it's like programming has never clicked with me. So I'm always very impressed with people who can do it <laughs> like like you and so many of the other developers we talk about, because it is so far beyond my brain. <laughs> so um, for the new game for uh, Cosmos, what kind of, because the version uh, sent had, I think two scenarios that you sent, but it's a very early version. Uh, what yeah, kind, it's very early. yeah. So, uh, is there is there going to be any kind of set content? Is there any going to be any procedural content at all? Is it all fan made? Like, what kind of content are we looking at that players are going to be able to engage in? Well, you know, my one of the kind of watchwords or the the the, the basic understandings that I have and I've talked with my team about um, as we developed Artemis Cosmos is that we don't want to throw out what worked in Artemis One. So, of course, all of the game modes that people like, um, we didn't want to throw that away. Um, so, you know, basic uh, missions that you can play over and over again, siege, single front, dual front, peacetime, border war. These are these are the kind of built-in missions of Artemis 1 and 2. Um, so we're going to provide that, of course, with Artemis Cosmos. But um, Artemis, in, in, in the old Artemis, scripting came late and it was a kind of a patchwork glued together xml thing that i glued together it wasn't very good um and uh and uh, a lot of people who tried to mod artemis uh kind of suffered for it uh yeah i'm gonna try and make up for that in cosmos and one of the ways in which we're doing that is we've integrated python as the scripting language so uh, we've moved to one of the most popular computer languages in the world as the scripting language for Cosmos. And that really opens the door to practically, well, to unheard of flexibility in terms of modding and adding different sorts and interesting kinds of missions, including content. Oh, okay. Because I was wondering if they're going to be any like larger scenarios like like anything procedural or anything like that is that a possibility like like procedural type content uh yes and yes and and did i mention yes um <laughs> we, we absolutely are going to have plenty of procedural content but um I, I feel like i'm burying the lead because um artemis one and two essentially happened in a box it was a world space a, a you know a, a space that was 100 kilometers by 100 kilometers size um, and that was the whole universe um that was certainly something that i think all players and all modders wanted to break out of so of course when we redesigned you know the low level data structures for cosmos we basically threw away that box and now space is infinite uh, at least space is infinite in exactly the way it is in a game like Minecraft. Um, so, you know, you're no longer stuck in a hundred kilometer by a hundred kilometer box for your 
space oh. adventure. You can go anywhere and do anything. And that absolutely opens the door to long-term missions. Oh, great. Uh, great, great, missions great. Of exploration that take a long time and you have to go a very long way. Um, you know, all that is very possible now with Cosmos. See, that gets me excited. That's the stuff I wanted. Cause you know, I didn't mind the box, you know, I, I get that, you know, that's what the game offered. I didn't mind the box too much, but when I, when I think Star Trek, I think of going out there, man, you know, and finding stuff, you know, and, and, and whatnot. And the fact that now that that's a possibility in this new one, that, that makes things very exciting indeed. <laughs> It's definitely another thing that the fan base really wanted was just just like you're saying. They wanted to go out there. They wanted to explore. They wanted to feel like space was vast. Um, yeah. And Artemis didn't really give that to them. So of course that's what we're changing. I mean, to be Cosmo. fair, to be fair, not a lot of Star Trek games give them that either. I mean, you know, a lot of Star Trek games, to be to be fair, put you in a box as well. You know. But, but you know, you, you kind of yeah, have the, to, the I guess. Modern, modern age of space games uh what's the new bethesda one starfield starfield uh gonna want to have a thousand explorable planets yeah yeah i don't know man <laughs> I'll, I'll believe it when i see it i don't know i i i love skyrim and whatnot don't get me wrong but like yeah i i'm, I'm not getting my hope i mean i'm I, i'm gonna play it but it's like i don't know <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like you have a thousand planets. Okay. Are five of them going to be great? And 995 of them are going to be, Oh, it's tattooing again. Okay. You know, I mean, yeah. this is a legitimate thing. You the, know, more, you, the, more, the more I hear about uh, Starfield, the more skeptical I get. To be honest. I know. Yeah. No, me too. Me too. I'd, I'd love it if it was great, but I'm not, <laughs> I am not. And, but, 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 Enca encapsulating well this is a weird way to phrase it encapsulating the vastness of space uh that's a very weird way to put it but uh is tough in a space game because you I mean you got to give players a manageable game but a lot of a lot of space games you want to just run out and explore the universe and and you know the, it's exciting that the artemis will now allow us to do that because you could because there's another game similar to yours called I don't know if you've played it called Pulsar, which um, is a is a multi station bridge crew type game that has a procedural universe and it's great, and uh, awesome. and uh, so like the fact that now you guys can have larger scenarios and procedural content and ex mm -hmm. exploration stuff that is that gets me tickled that really gets me tickled <laughs> I have to admit well, and it, it it's a reflective of the larger design issues with cosmos you know since i was uh, since i went back to the drawing board since i rebuilt it from scratch since there's no shared code i felt like it was really important to question all of the basic assumptions and you know drag the code base into the 21st century and make a you know make make a a game that was much more flexible and usable uh, and and learned all the lessons right so, so now that you're making the universe a lot bigger, has has it been a challenge to keep the game manageable? I would say yes, but I also feel like that's to yeah, kind of kind of joke about it is is an unexplored frontier. Um, you know, <laughs> I so far I've been fixing bugs 
and making sure that major game systems are functional. Um, what's out there and, and what, you know, how many things can be out there and how far can a ship go? And it's, it's just not, you know, I, I want to know all those things like everyone else does, but it's been, it's been stuff that, you know, was lower priority than things like making sure that the audio is working and making sure that the network layer functions and making sure that the internals of the ship and the, the, the damage control parties go to where they're supposed to go. Um, so we've been kind of, you know, building outward from that, but you know, at, at the same time, of course, we've been designing for maximum openness and flexibility. Having said that, parts of my team, like uh, uh, Xavier Weiss, who's on the chat right now, uh, um, has been building larger scale, multi-sector, giant uh, um, uh, mega missions for the old Artemis for a very long time. And he's jumped in with both feet uh, on this project to help us understand you know, what's out there. And he's done a lot of work with things like jump gates and, uh, you know, looking at the big picture of what happens when there's, you know, not one base, but a hundred bases scattered over space. Um, so I think that, I think the game is up for that. I think in terms of finding the fun within that, how does it, you know, how far does a base have to be to be too far and how, how dangerous does a space sector have to be? And what do you, how do you understand that? Uh, we're still hammering that out. No, that's that's totally fair. I mean, it it must be tough putting something like this together where you make it. You want to make it like approachable to fans of Star Trek, but also because I always think with games like this, they're kind of complex, and I always think about the onboarding uh, for okay. a game for a game like this. How do you? I mean. Is that a struggle to to onboard someone who might be new to a game like this? Because um, I can't I, imagine this is an easy thing to get into if you've never even played a video game before. Yeah, no, actually, my my feeling is no. Uh, but oh, good. Again, I was I was talking about the fact that people just got my game, and right. you know, people met me halfway. And over the years, that has blossomed into something amazing. First off. Um, there's rarely a regular old sci-fi or fantasy convention out there that doesn't have a game of Artemis running in the, in the corner of the gaming room. There's a lot of people who grab half a dozen laptops and bring them to conventions. Artemis is a, now a mainstay of, you know, convention life. In fact, uh, we, we're, we're excited that Artemis is going to be showcased at, uh, uh, San Diego Comic-Con in a couple of weeks. Oh, really? Yeah, um, and but it's not just San Diego Comic Con. Is practically, I mean, it seems like I can't go or see or read about a uh, a convention, big or small, that doesn't have Artemis tucked away in some room somewhere. Um, you know, and it's not me doing it. It's a lot of independent operators uh, leading to the you know the larger fact that uh, the people who play Artemis come in different flavors for different reasons, including these operators who actually charge money because I allow them to. They buy the license to the game, they buy their own computers, and they charge money for people to come and play for Saturday or Friday or an hour or whatever. Uh, I know some of, several of them personally, and I know there are hundreds of them throughout the, uh, 
uh, the United States and the world. Total shout out, of course, because they're doing me the greatest service of all, the exposing and doing exactly the onboarding that you're talking about. They're the oh. ones who set it up at a convention and people walk by and say, hey, what is this? And they say, come play Artemis. And then once people actually play it, they're like, where can I get this? And then people Google online and there we go. Well, one nice thing about Artemis, too, is that it ran on, like, you can run it on a potato. Like, like it did not have the highest system requirements. And I'm sure yeah. that's something you're keeping in mind with the new one as well. So it can I run am. a variety of hardware. Now, is it? Well, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that we, we, we targeted DirectX 11 and Windows 10. Um, and really, technically, I think we're targeting Windows 8.1, but no one has that. Oh, no. (laughs) It's definitely a line that had to be carefully considered. Um, Oh, no, that's fair. I mean, I think Steam has just dropped or is about to drop support for Windows 7, for -hmm. example, I think, for security reasons. So that that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's... Yeah, but I, I never meant to, you know, try to push the limits of the you know anybody's hardware uh and be and also i had a lot of headroom because the older artemis also was not very challenging to computer hardware i could i could do more with cosmos and still not be really pushing the limits you know cosmos is i've worked hard though to make it a lot prettier than the old artemis and i think everyone who's seen it agrees that it's more pretty. It's got normal mapping on the spaceships. It's got lighting where there were none before. It's got um, a lot oh. of new cool space special effects in terms of the beams and the missiles. Oh, um, it's, it's absolutely but, prettier from what I've seen. No question. It's absolutely prettier. But, and of course, you know, I have to be aware of the fact that, sure, it's prettier, but people look out the window for 30 seconds and then go back to playing the game. Yeah, that's very true. They're going to be focused more on their their station, which is pretty. It's the stations aren't focused on being pretty. <laughs> focused. <Yeah. laughs> they are focused so, on being usable. I'd I'd like to know where you where if you know where you're going to go in the future with this game. What do you, do you have any plans for? Like, uh, if there's a sing, lot of single player games players like me out there are you going to say okay log on and we'll find other people who can play on the other side of the city on the other side of the world anything like that the short answer is complicated but not really the long answer is yes um part of the thing that with this kind of ground up rewrite of cosmos is that there's just enough flexibility out there that matchmaking services are ex- extremely popular and sorry, extremely possible in the future. Um, and I would like to actually build one. But uh, as I said before, there are existing fan bases of Artemis, the fans who play in their living room with their friends, the fans who play online, uh, you know, in a club every Tuesday night, uh, the fans who play only at conventions and the fans who, of course, you know, make the conventions happen, the operators who bring the equipment. Um, and, you know, and there, there are a few other kind of, you know, oddball groups like uh, people who they're operators, but they, they actually use Artemis as, uh, um, 
you know, a business training tool or an educational uh, tool. Um, the Artemis through the years has enjoyed a lot of time in libraries and planetariums for some reason. So uh, I, I don't want to throw away or, or, or push aside any of those existing fan bases. I want to I rebuild Cosmos to please them. Um, and Cosmos has always been unabashedly a multiplayer game. Several people have come to me and said, can't I play it by myself? And I would tell them, you can, but it'd be very lonely. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I, I never set out to make a single player game with Artemis again, because I, all I really wanted was to create that experience of Star Trek working together on one spaceship. Well, then, let's see, Richard Riley in the chat just who uh, must work for you uh, mentioned about matchmaking being supported by the community. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. Like, is there a Discord, something of that nature? Uh, there is my understanding that the groups that are out there that are doing online play, uh, like the Eastern Front group, um, and I think there were some people here in the chat also talking about. Uh, the online groups. Oh yes, the the TSN roleplay community, um, uh, which is uh, a more an international group. And I believe there's a group in Canada. Uh, please help me rem- chat. Please remind me of the Canadian group's name. Um, but um, you know, those folks individually have their Discord servers and their their tools for for building their communities, um, and. But from a technical point of view, you're right. I'm not really supporting them in that way. My game just plays the game. And it would be great to have um, uh, more technical support of that kind of matchmaking and that kind of group dynamic. Uh, it's just one of those things where I remember I said that, you know, so much about what Artemis is and how it continues to be a going concern after so long is because of what the fans want and the fans demand out of me. And um, they're over the years, they've much been much more loud about the functionality of the comm station or the, uh, Mm. uh, you know, the, uh, the behavior of ships, the AI, the, the user interface, than they have about kind of bigger, you know, issue things. Yes, they want, matchmaking but when i talk to especially experienced crews over the years what they really want is persistence and if you read between the lines to a certain extent what they want is an mmo experience and that's something that you know sure i made an mmo before so i know what they're talking about but i also quail because it's a another big job on top of an already big job um so i would say that again cosmos is a ground up rewrite with unheard of flexibility so if if you can imagine it in the next few years we're going to probably try to do it uh but in terms of building out cosmos to get it ready for prime time here i'm still very much focused on you know bug fixing user interface and making sure that cosmos gives players the same experience that the old game gave them uh, someone did, uh, Kevin asked in the chat, uh, will there be a non-Steam purchase option? Yes, 
Yes, the answer is absolutely. In Artemis uh, 2, my business model was originally that I sold a uh, uh, digital rights management free uh, bridge license for $40. And what that meant was that once you bought it online, you downloaded the installer onto your computer. And it was kind of expected that you would share that installer with your bridge crew. Uh, you, you put it on a memory stick and you pass it around to everybody's laptop, whatever. Do what you have to do to get it onto the computers of your bridge. Um, and then Steam came along and Steam basically wouldn't let me sell such a license. So I had to sell a seat license for Steam. So it was basically, you know, $40 divided by six. And that's why the license right now on Steam, I think it's $6.99 per player. Um, so that's how we did it with Steam because everybody, or, or not not everybody, but a lot of people wanted it on Steam. Um, and we got more sales because of Steam. Yeah. But a lot of people still want the DRM bridge license, and they still want to be able to download that installer and put it on a memory stick and pass it around to their crew. And I'm going to give them that option. Okay, that's pretty great. Because, I mean, yeah, Steam is great, but, you know, for things like this, it might make sense to, you know, not have another option. <laughs> so, so well, another thing, another thing that's powerful that's, that didn't exist 10 years ago is that uh, the, the Square Up, or the, yeah, Square Up uh, um, process that I'm using to serve uh, Artemis 2 and that I'll serve Artemis Cosmos with um, allows for a lot more uh, re-downloads. So, you know, you can, you know, I tell you to download it, put it on a memory stick, keep it in a safe place. But, I mean, things happen. Computers get waterlogged, computers get stolen, whatever else. Um, so people want to be able to uh, have that license in perpetuity and be able to re-download it when they want to. And as far as I can tell, I'm going to be able to give that to them. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. People like that kind of flexibility. I mean, Steam is great, but, you know, there are a lot of reasons, you know, someone might have to not, you know, not want to have their game on Steam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it makes sense. Oh, hey, David. <laughs> David, uh, the developer of another one of these similar games, Starship Horizons, is, uh, is, is in the chat. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he wanted me to ping you about something. <laughs> I just remembered. <laughs> I was talking to him earlier today, and he's like, "Tell Tom to get back in touch with me or something." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I completely forgot." <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to avoid him. I've just been very busy. Yeah, no, and that, I'd love to talk to him. That 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 makes sense. Uh, so, do you, I I guess since you're both here, do you guys have like a community of developers who makes these games? Like, do you guys? talk to each other about, about your games. Cause there aren't a lot of these games, you know, there are a lot yeah. of space games, but there are what four of basically this type of game. There's yours. There's starships horizon. There's quintet, uh, mm -hmm. pulsar, I guess. And, uh, right. that might be it. There's one called space nerds in space, space nerds in space. I don't think I've heard of yeah. that one. Well, I mean, you know, we're all indies. I, I oh, uh, no, I have not heard of that one. Oh dear, I've well. So it, it, 
one of the things. But in terms of answering your question, is there a community? No, there is not. You're right. There's there's just a half a dozen little groups making these games around the world, and uh, you know we have not we have not formed a union, much less a club. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's our problem. Maybe that's maybe that's a, a shortcoming we'll have to work on. I've I've never heard of space nerds. Oh, the, oh, Dave brings up another one, empty epsilon, which I've also never heard of. Uh, I'm, and space nerds in space seems to be Linux only. Probably, yeah. Which I yeah I don't have Linux, so God, I'm not. I don't think I'm smart enough. To, uh, to to run, <laughs> I think I've tried it once or twice. It's like ah, like I'll tell you what, I just got this little three eighty six computer, and like oh god, I'm trying to remember DOS commands. Like <laughs> it's like oh god, how do I do this? Oh yeah, X copy. I haven't used that in thirty years. <laughs> well, I love the discussion here, and I think we've got a lot to say, and we have more to say. But as you pointed out, we've only got an hour. Yeah. Yeah, we got to wrap up, but I think we, I think we covered a good amount about the game. Oh, uh, wait, it's, is, I don't think it's actually out yet on steam. Is it? Uh, no, we're, uh, we're working very, very hard to get the first version out onto steam early access. Right. So it's, yeah, it says coming soon. Okay. So you don't have an actual date or anything, which is fine, which is fine. You know, I'd rather, you know, like I'm helping out with another game and like we don't put a date up there because we don't know we're going to be ready. <laughs> so, but soon that, yeah, because I know a lot of people love these games. I know a lot of people love these games. Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad. Go ahead. I couldn't be more happy with that. I, I feel very strongly that the fans make the game uh, for Artemis. You know, if if no one was giving me feedback, if no one was telling me how much they liked the game, I wouldn't continue working on it. Um, in fact, it's 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 unique. It's it's weird. I've never worked on a project for 13 years. That's absurd. Even in the video game industry, yeah, a 13-year software, a 13-year code base is completely unheard of. And it's only it, it's only kept going because of the fans. And and someone in the chat said they just played it at a convention last month, so it's mm-hmm. it's still it's like you said it's still kicking around out there at all these cons. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I should actually go to a con. That's <laughs> I think about it, and then my social anxiety is like no. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, Eastern Front TSNRP forty second in Canada. These online groups I think are amazing and welcoming and great people. So they're worth checking out if you wanted to get into Artemis online from your home and just wanted to see what it was all about. And and this can and yeah, just just a reminder, folks, these can be played online. I mean, we've talked a lot about playing them in the same room, which you can also do with multiple laptops, but you can play these online. Uh, I don't I just to just to be clear on that, you you don't need to all be in the same room to play this. I mean, it's fun. I did it a while back uh, for a birthday party of mine. Um, I think we had this and Quintet going, and we switched back and forth between the two. Um, and we had a lot of fun. We had, like, iPads and laptops. Oh, I guess that's a question. Is this going to be a PC-only thing, or are you going to get this running on other, uh, uh, on other platforms so it can, uh, like, someone can use their iPad or someone can use their, you know, Android we're, we're- or something? 
we're going to branch out to other platforms. We're going to start with PC, but the new PAX engine is so much more platform agile than the ancient old, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the ancient old engine uh, that I used back in the day for the original Artemis. It's, it's night and day. So yes, absolutely. In the, in the future, look forward to Artemis on different platforms. <laughs> David in the chat. He's one of our co-hosts who couldn't be here today. He's like, is it coming to Switch? I'm like, come on. <laughs> Switch. I, I worked in the video game industry long enough to know that Nintendo is the real the real limiter for that. Uh, it's possible, but <laughs> I, would have to, I would have to read Nintendo's giant phone book of rules. Yeah, they apparently have a huge, uh, huge process to go through to get a game onto a Switch. Um, which is kind of fair. I mean, one of their, one of the reasons they're so successful is they highly curate the games that are on their platforms. Uh, and always have. Yep. 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 So folks, the game is Artemis Cosmos. It is the, is it the third installment in the series? Am I remembering yeah, that? Yeah. Yes. It is the third installment in the Artemis series of multiplayer bridge crew, it's a bridge crew simulator. I know there's a game called bridge crew, but it's a bridge crew simulator. Come on. Uh, uh, starship, uh, bridge simulator, multi-crew, uh, thing, uh, that's going to be in steam early access soon. Um, once we get it working, we, I apologize. We couldn't get it working. I don't know if it's firewalls or what. Um, but we could, we'll keep, we'll, we'll, we'll try again at some point. um, with more people, there was just the two of us and neither of us could get it working with each other. So maybe we need a different host or something, or maybe it's cause he's in Germany and I'm in the U S I don't know. Um, that shouldn't matter, but, uh, we will definitely give it a try once we're able, um, once we can get it working with ourselves, it's probably on our end probably. Um, but yeah, the fo folks, the game is Artemis Cosmos. It's a multiplayer bridge simulator that you can play in the same room or online with other people. Uh, the original Artemis uh, is on Steam as well. You can check that out. There are multiple groups, as we were talking about in the chat and whatnot, that run it uh, online. Or you can go to just about any fandom-type convention, as as Tom was saying, and there's probably going to be someone with six laptops <laughs> and, a, and a projector screen set up to, uh, to play some Artemis. <laughs> so... So there's, there's quite a bit of Artemis for you out there if you're if you're interested in this sort of thing. It is a lot of fun with the right group of people. It is a lot of fun. Um, I have played these kind of games before, and, and when you get a good crew together, it's a lot of fun. So we're very and we're very excited about the larger scale possibilities that this engine allows. I am especially excited about the exploration and campaign uh, options you were talking about earlier. I'm exceptionally excited about that. Um, so, yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back on once uh, this hits 1.0. That's what we usually do. Uh, but I it's would good. love to be on. Absolutely. And maybe we'll actually get it work playing at that point. Maybe we'll play it instead of having it run in the background uh, during that show. But, uh, folks, thank you so much for, um, for listening today. Uh, very active chat. Thank you, as always, to everyone in the chat. Great chat today. Uh, next week, we don't know yet. Um, we're probably going to do a topic. We just haven't figured it out yet, but we will do something next week. 
Uh, so everyone have a great day. Be safe. Be well. Take care of each other. Please, if you haven't already, get vaccinated. I say this at the end of every show because we're still in a pandemic. Please get vaccinated if you haven't already. My God, I shouldn't have to say this, but please do it anyway. And thank you, as always, to our patrons who literally keep the lights on around here. Uh, Thomas, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and your work on this project to talk to us about it. Um, can't wait to see more, especially that big stuff you're talking about. I'm very, very excited about the big, big stuff. Uh, have a great day, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye.